Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Pod for up-to-date info on the show. No rules, no texts, no whistles. This is No Referees Podcast. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. I'm your host, Everstock Ajobi, uh, with another quarantine edition of our podcast. You can find us on our social media pages at No Referees Pod and on our new YouTube channel, No Referees Podcast. We're joined today by a special guest all the way across the water in, in China. You can find them on Twitter at K- KFOG12 and on Instagram at KFOG18. The man that travels the globe for the satchel. My man, Kyle Fogg. What up, brother? Man, just happy to be here like we talked about, man. Finally got on the wait. Been on the waiting list for years to get on the podcast. So happy <laughs> to be here with my guy and yeah. happy to be, be going still. Man, glad to, have, glad to see you doing great, brother. I know you cross the world in China right now. Uh, just give us an update on how things are over there with you right now. Yeah, life out here is uh, really starting to get back to normal. Um, there's traffic, people going to work. Work. Uh, I'd say the only difference are a couple of the major restaurants are closed, and every single person has has their mask on. So they aren't playing around with that. But I feel like they're doing a really good job of uh, containing the virus and and kind of getting back to everyday life. No future over there. No mask off. <laughs> nah, mask on. No mask off. <laughs> so give us a a little play by play on you know the days and weeks leading up to uh, you guys having to evacuate quickly at the, around the Chinese New Year. Kind of walk us through what happened with that situation and how that unfolded. Yeah, so for for us, it was uh, we were leaving before, like right before it kind of hit. Um, I remember our team doctors had came up to us and were like, hey, you know, if you're going outside, you know, just wear this mask. The flu is starting to go around uh, Beijing and around China pretty bad this year. And nobody really knew what it was. So, you know, we continued business per usual. And uh, I think we had like a four or five day break. So I headed back, I headed home. So I was on the way home. And uh, when we got to the airport, everyone had their mask on. So it was, it was crazy to see. And, you know, I looked at, you know, my boy who was with me and we put our mask on and we just continued like normal and headed home. And it was like maybe one night, I was one night at home. And the next night they kind of messaged us and we're like, hey, you know, this is something, you know, we didn't, we didn't realize what this was, but don't come back, like just stay at home while we're figuring this out. And then the next day in America, that's when they started releasing like, Hey, like this virus is spreading in China. Like things are getting serious and stuff like that. So it was, you know, got out just in time right before, you know, we really knew what it was and it was nice to be home during that time, but it was definitely crazy to see since I was just out there like a day and a half or so before. So when, you're back, you're back home and you're just hearing about all of the China stuff. Did it ever hit to you that then we're going to be postponed or the league going to be canceled for X amount of time? What was the agent saying and things like that? Yeah, um, nobody really knew. Luckily, I was in contact with my team out here and they were like, stuff's probably going to get, you know, postponed right now. So they just said, don't come back on your flights and, you know, we'll update you. And every day, you know, the numbers will go higher and it started spreading more and, and more. and they kept telling us, you know, come back now. No, no, wait, come back then. Until eventually they were just like, you know, you're going to be home for a little bit. You know, we'll keep you updated. But nobody really knew 
when we were going to have to come back or what they were going to do. I think they were just mainly concerned about keeping everybody healthy and then figuring out how they were going to finish the league. On a lighter note, when you came back, um, what was one of the first things you ate when you came back? You know, every time you come back home, you know, I was with you in China, in China and Guangzhou, we'll get to that a little bit, representing my CBA gear for my yeah. brother. So when you, we, we touched down, you know, not knowing that you was going to be going back, like what was the first thing you ran to eat when you came back to America? Man, Chipotle was the first meal <laughs> for sure. But we, we had hit quick meal before you go home and unpack your bags, get some sleep. But there was a long list of, of, of restaurants and stuff at the crib. You know, it's nice going home and you know how it is being out in China. Sometimes you can't get everything you want to eat, but Beijing's super nice with, with the food. So that wasn't too hard of a transition here. So you're, you, the, the time you spent away from the team these last, you know, two, two months you were home or so, even though you were you're away from your team, you had an opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff, like play for, you know, USA national team, you know, kind of walk us through that and how that process happened. Oh, yeah, that was a, a huge blessing. Um, you know, they actually called me a couple years back when I was with uh, uh, our team in Guangzhou, and um, I wasn't able to play. So that was kind of one of those things where I was like, dang, you know, that's I wish I would have had that opportunity to kind of put that USA across my chest. Um, but, you know, as you know, God works mysterious ways, and that opportunity came back around, and the time was, you know, perfect. I was just at home couldn't go back to my team in China and uh you know they they gave me a call and I was extremely excited to to take on that opportunity and you know we played Puerto Rico two games we were able to get two wins and got to play in front of my family in DC so it was a uh, definitely a, a blessing special experience that uh, I'll definitely hold hold that one in the memories forever yeah, two yeah, two recent memories of DC. The when we went to DC to play the Wizards and another one this year. Yeah. You had some you had some fine memories yeah. playing in DC recently. Three years in a row, D, been playing in DC, man. <laughs> That's like your second home. <laughs> yeah. I call every year. Huh? I read some stuff about how when they finally got China reopened for, for, for the team, for the players and coaches to come back that guys wasn't feeling that. Like, I was like, man, I don't want to go back. You know, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm in good. But then the league was like, yo, you're not going to get your paycheck. You know, might get a lifetime ban. You know, talk about what you were hearing yeah. from guys and what was going through your mind at that time. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of mixed, mixed messages, mixed emotions from, you know, players around the league. Uh, what's cool is a lot of the guys kind of stay in touch and, keep updated with each other and everybody was like, you know, what, what should we do? You know, what are you guys going to do? And I think it was about half, half of the guys ended up coming back and half stayed. Um, you know, I, I'll luckily my team is super cool. You know, have a good relationship with them, obviously with Steph coaching. Uh, and they just kind of said, you know, let's, let's come back and finish the season strong. Obviously we have put in a lot of work this year, bringing our team up. So, you know, I, I it was a decision I had to talk with my family about, but, after doing the research and finding out that it was actually, you know, pretty contained here, you know, I decided to come back and, you know, I'm glad I did. I know you was on that phone like this, doing all the research <laughs> to make sure you were straight yeah, before you came Steph. back. <laughs> yeah. Steph came out out first too. So that was like, once he got here, he was like, yo, it's good. It was like, okay, you know, I'll head back since they're already out there. And so it was perfect, but definitely had to check in, make sure the fan was good, make sure the girl was good with it. And, um, headed out you're talking about Stefan Marbury everybody knows who he yeah. is you know everybody knows he's been overseas yeah. in China he got statues he got museums he got kind of oh, all that kind of stuff over there so yeah 
So tell me what it was like playing for him. You know, you're going this new team. It's his first year as a head coach, first year playing for him. Just talk about what it's like playing for him. Yeah, it was exciting, man, when they made the call. Uh, obviously, being in Beijing, uh, having the chance to bring up, you know, they were last place team in the league last year, uh, bringing an entirely new coaching staff, a lot of new players, a uh, chance to play with my former teammate, uh, Sonny, and um, obviously the chance to play for Coach Steph, who's a legend out here, was definitely, you know, an amazing opportunity that I kind of was super excited about. And um, we've had a lot of success so far. I mean, even though this is Steph's rookie year as a coach, he's doing a, an amazing job. Um, we were dead last last year, and now we're like double, more than doubled our wins, broke the franchise record for wins, I believe. Big satchel coming. Man, we just we just trying to get a little satchel. We just want a little satchel. That's it, you know. But yeah, yeah, man. So he's he doing he's doing his thing for sure. He's gonna he works super hard. He's going to be a great coach, as he was a player, for sure, if he, you know, decides to continue coaching. What's some of the things that he teaches you or have, have kind of showed you when he played that guard position? And you're, you're a big guard. You're a big guard just like him as well. You know, what kind of some things, little tidbits, have he taught you about your game? Uh, just controlling the pace of the game, man, and getting guys involved. Uh, obviously, as a pure point guard, to do it at every level and at the highest level. He uh, has kind of just shown me the think in the game, just a at an extremely high level as, as opposed to just kind of playing off field, but doing both and really controlling the game. So it's been great just kind of learning from him and being able to see the improvements in my game and see the improvements in our team's game as well as we, you know, continue to win. All right, so we're going to switch over to that, that uh, logo you got on your chest, Arizona. You know, bear down. You know, a, a, bear a, down. a, a players program. Uh, hey, you, play, you already know. <laughs> you played – Four years at Arizona, you know, you grinded, you know, mm -hmm. you grinded from the bottom all the way up. There's a lot of things that, that's been going on that's been said with the NCAA, potentially giving eligibility back to those seniors and not being able to play in the, the tournaments and the postseason yeah. with the coronavirus situation. You know, how would you react to this this time if you were a senior, did not get not being able to play your 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 conference tournament, NCAA tournament? You've been grinding. Let's say you was playing all those years, three years, and never been, and maybe your senior year was that chance. You know, how would you feel, or what would your re reaction to that? Man, that's that's tough. Uh, I love that they're they are talking about maybe giving those guys their eligibility back to play their senior years, uh, just because, like you're saying, man, all that work you put in all that time is all just to get to the tournament and you know it's not a lot of teams or players get that opportunity to go so when you do it's something that you know you really look forward to and to have that taken away which I believe was the right decision to not have it just for safety reasons but uh, I would be you know frustrated obviously hurt sad uh, that's a lot of a lot of those players even not just the seniors really make their name for themselves in a tournament and get to the NBA get drafted off of these performances in the and March Madness, so it's definitely tough to see. But, you know, I believe they made the right decision in post-canceling it, really, but hopefully they can give these guys another chance to to get in the tournament the following year. Have you had an opportunity to talk to any of the coaches over there with this situation? I know you're pretty connected to the program. You know, have you had any talks with them about everything that's going on? Yeah, I was there uh, a little bit before they ended up canceling the tournament, right before they went to, like, the uh, Pac-12 tournament in Vegas which they ended up canceling after like a game or two. And they were kind of just, you know, obviously surprised. Uh, 
you know, we talked about how the virus is spreading in, in China and how I got out in time, but I don't think anyone really expected that it was going to, you know, affect something as big as the NCAA tournament or the NBA or, you know, all professional sports in America. So uh, definitely a lot of shock, a lot of confusion. Um, you know, guys couldn't believe that you know, it was really happening. So you spent a lot of time in Tucson, not only because of your connection with the, the program, but you also in, invested in a lot of real estate out there. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. they, people follow your Instagram and Twitter. They'll see that you're involved with uh, repositioning assets. You know, so talk about just, you know, what it's like to be a professional basketball player and also uh, involved in real estate as well. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not as hard as you think. Um, the, the biggest thing is, you know, I have a really good partner who's out there right now who's able to be there day to day. Um, all it is is spend a little extra time reading when you're on road trips or at, at home, maybe less time playing video games or less time, you know, watching movies and just adding in, you know, maybe an hour a day of reading and, you know, watching YouTube videos or getting a mentor and learning from him. And I think uh, I just kind of realized a little early on that uh, kind of the ball wasn't going to bounce forever. And, you know, it's, you never know when your time is up. So while you're taking advantage of this, I think it's important to kind of explore different avenues uh, use the fact that you're a professional basketball player to get you in the doors and um, just try to learn from people and get in the rooms that you can where, you know, you're the least smart person in the room and just in a room full of people who are kind of doing things at a high level and doing things the right way. So I've been lucky to, you know, meet those people and get in the rooms with them and they've been kind of just guiding me and teaching me and, and I've been learning and I've been able to, you know, acquire a, a lot of cash flowing assets over the past few years. and it's exciting just because I'm finally starting to really build that momentum into, you know, bigger multifamily and commercial real estate. So it's a lot of fun. And um, what's even more fulfilling about it is I'm able to help other, you know, athletes and basketball players who have been working with me, you know, being able to make them passive income so that when they retire as well, they'll be able to kind of rely on those cash flow from their assets instead of, you know, not while they're confused or while they're trying to figure out what their next path in life is, they won't have to, feel that pressure financially just because they'll have money coming in. So it's been cool to work with a lot of my friends who have invested with me in real estate and a lot of other players and kind of seeing them learn and watching their wheels spin when they see the checks. And uh, it's been definitely fulfilling for me both ways. So when you talk about uh, commercial real estate, you talking, are you getting talking about shopping malls? You talking about retail? Like what, like what are your aspirations down the road? Aspirations down the road, obviously long, big picture is, you know, want to be, kind of known in the basketball world and athlete world as, you know, one of the guys, top guys for real estate investing and helping guys build assets and portfolios and real estate that are kind of preparing them for life after sports. And when that ball stops bouncing, so they can keep having that passive income and then checks rolling in. So uh, I think that's kind of my big picture as far as what I want to do after hoops and how I want to be known in real estate. And as for, you know, what I was talking about with commercial real estate, mainly focused on multifamily. Um, I just closed on a retail strip center with, you know, a few small places, kind of like a, you know, law, small law firm. Uh, there's a rehab center in the, in the plaza. It's 11 units, a commercial spot, but mainly right now is the focus is apartment syndications and kind of getting those multi-unit buildings.
wanted to make sure that athletes had access to a, to a shooting machine that they could take anywhere. So I came up with the concept to fold it into a duffel bag. I ended up prototyping with my friend Xavier, welding our first prototype in the garage. I made it for myself. I also made it for the millions of other athletes out there that are trying to reach their dreams and uh, trying to make it out. I want to switch gears real quick and talk about your Instagram because up until about mm, six months ago, it was just basic, plain Jane. You must <laughs> have, you must have hired uh, the, the your significant other to run your your Instagram because now because now you got you got quotes of the day, you got philanthropy advice, uh, you you got all your workout tips, you know. What was the driving force for you to like rebrand your your social media and try to spread a different positive message? Yeah, I think you know whenever I would post something like that, a lot of I'll get a lot of feedback where people like saying, "Hey, man, you got to keep posting. I love it." And um, so I just I enjoy writing, so I started writing a whole lot more, just talking about experiences I had with you in Guangzhou or experience I had when I was in Finland playing and just Germany. Just I've been playing in so many countries and have you know seen so many things that I've been able to kind of compact those into stories and, and lessons that I've learned that I feel like have brought me kind of success and happiness in my life. And, and doing a lot of travel and I ended up just getting, you know, my, my girl or photographers to kind of snap a few pictures with them and just post a, a story and, and quote and getting some good feedback from it. So you already know what it is. Just trying to spread a positive message, kind of teach whatever I've learned from people far smarter than me and, and just spread that knowledge. Uh, shout out to Nicole for doing that. She running that. I know shout out to Nicole. One thing I do like about your quotes that I always read is that obviously being a strength and conditioning coach, you always talk about your workout tips of the day. You know, get up and work out, mm -hmm. get up and move, uh, be active, things like that. Because a lot of times, especially in our community, as a, in the African-American community, we're sitting down, we're being sedentary, we're not moving, we're not eating right. And me being currently in Chicago with this coronavirus situation, I hear a lot of, you know, you see the numbers of, you know, the, the African-American community, the minority community are the highest, you know, with the coronavirus and lot of yeah. death, you know, so, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, just being, you know, encouraging more and more people, you know, not just all people, but especially people in African-American community to get out and, you know, get out and get moving. Yeah, man, it's it's tough, especially with the situation that's going on now. But even as you know, you know, the the other diseases such as heart disease or, you know, diabetes is, you know, affecting especially our people as well as an African Americans. And I think it's extremely important for not only just physical but mental health to get moving and, and get those endorphins flowing from exercise. But, you know, that's what you do. So you know a whole lot more than I do about that, but <laughs> I just can't can't stress that enough of just the importance of getting outside and, and working out. Man. So let's, let's talk about our time in Guangzhou. So most people don't know that new to the channel and new to me and Kyle last basketball season, the 18, 19 season, all the strength conditioning coach for his team in Guangzhou, South, South China, the Guangzhou Long yep. Lions. Man, we spent the whole basketball season together, uh, traveling all over the country, traveling, uh, just playing games, uh, spending time in the weight room, 
so what's some of your fondest memories of our time, you know, last year in uh, in uh, Guangzhou? Man, too many memories to count, man. But definitely <laughs> just the just the meals, talking about exactly what you're doing right now, putting the podcast together. It's it's great to see you. You know, a lot of people can talk about what they want to do, and and it, it sounds good. But you actually put it into action. I love seeing you, you know, succeed and do that. But you know, other than that, it's just you know the work, which is really important to me, is the extra work we put in. You know, all the time. You know, you putting in the extra hours when you didn't need to. Us just constantly working in the weight room. You know, you giving me an outrageous amount of repetitions that was way out of pocket. But you know, I, I just, whatever you said, I was knocking it out. But. Uh, yeah, bro. It was, it was it was a great time with you, just just growing and improving. And, and like I said before, it's it's nice to see someone who's not only talks about their goals but put puts action behind them. So it's it's great seeing you succeed here. So one thing we I talk about with a, a few people that I've interviewed on this podcast that have been in China, played in China, is the food. Now we gotta talk yeah. about the food because most, every, every time somebody asks me a question about you know what was y'all eating over there, you know. What y'all eating dog? What y'all eating cat? And stuff like that. And I tell them all the time. I tell them all the time that you know we was actually eating good over there. Thanks to you, man. We didn't have a normal situation out there. We had we had the chefs. You had your own personal chefs making sure we was eating right every meal, man. Chicken wings, fish fish fillet sandwiches, French Whoa. toast. The sap, the, the miso salmon, teriyaki salmon. It was crazy, yeah. <laughs> so we that that's definitely the toughest part when being here but man you had a setup in Guangzhou we was really rolling there it was only the road trips that was a struggle and then now you know you know how it is in Beijing they got they got almost everything from you know Element Fresh, Wagas, Cheesecake Factory, fr- Fridays so whenever you're getting that craving for some American food you can pretty much get it here but in Guangzhou man we had it we had it set up no problems with food at all these past couple of years. When you were leaving Guangzhou what was the uh... The bittersweet because you had played there for two seasons. You know they mm-hmm. wanted they wanted you to stay. They, they didn't want you to stay. The the money was funny. People don't over here just hear about guarantee contracts that players get and different things like that. Kind of take us to a little backstory of just how that whole situation unfolds from going from one team in China to another team. Yeah, I think you know it's obviously especially overseas. Kind of that business aspect really is is not talked about much and. You know, it's, it's hard to understand unless you're going through it. But Guangzhou, man, two years, I had a great experience. Those are my those are my brothers over there. You know how it was. It was definitely like a close-knit, you know, family there. But uh, sometimes, you know, it's just time to, to make that move. You know what I mean? So it was no 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 hard feelings, no nothing. It was just a, you know, good business decision for both parties. And um, I've been able to, you know, get out here to Beijing and play for Coach Steph. So it's been definitely a, a, a great move on my part and and their part as well i'm sure they feel good about it so it's been a lot of fun uh kind of playing here and and, and kind of climbing that ladder and um it's always fun to go out there and see them got to play them a couple of times so that was that was fun as well but uh guangzhou will always hold you know a special place you know with me and i wish them nothing but the best and it's always great to kind of see them out you know whenever we play them every year so which country that you played in you play in a lot of countries which country by far is the best overall living situation the best scenery the best basketball which country will be the best for you scenery and hoops is probably spain man because i lived on the beach in spain so it, it ain't nothing beat. yeah ain't nothing beating that and the weather was perfect 
year round. But um, as far as fun playing basketball and the, the place I like the best is, is China by far. Because uh, you got to get to shoot that thing a hundred times a game. Man, you get to just go out there and whatever you work on, you get to you get to use that in the game. So this this can't nothing beat China, man. But I've definitely been to a lot of good places. I think you know I've had learning experiences and a lot of fun in every country I've been in. Obviously, it's it's basketball. So I mean, if you're not having fun, I don't know what can't can't beat this job. I don't know what to tell you. You know, but uh, I definitely think Spain and China were the top two places so far. What are some fun facts about Kyle Fogg? Your fans will see this. All your followers on social media will see this. What's some fun facts about Kyle Fogg that most people don't know about? Mm, uh, I mean, most people probably know, but got two nieces and a nephew who I love to death. Um, I used to drive a 1997 Civic I called the Lambo <laughs> in college. <laughs> and then I and then after that I was driving a slug bug because that car broke down, so I was driving a slug bug for a minute. You got that real Lambo now. Nah, nah, I got a Lexus now, man. We gotta save. We gotta save. <laughs> Obviously, you know, super passionate about, you know, kind of helping others and being able to to give back. I just feel like I've been super blessed in my life, just growing up in a good place, having a great family. So, you know, it's super important for me to be able to give back and help others. So that's kind of a big big thing in my heart speaking on the giving back and helping others one big organization you're involved with is pencils pencils of promise um i know that you're uh involved on the board or you're you're involved with Mm -hmm. a lot of the the decision making that goes on there talk to people about this pencils of promise what's it about what's your role in the organization etc etc yeah so i'm on the advisory board for pencil promise um incredible organization they basically you know, kind of their, their their baseline is we they believe that every single person, every child in the world deserves, you know, quality education. Um, obviously, there's a lot of places in the world who are, you know, struggling financially and uh, they aren't able to send their kids to school. So it's without an education, I think it's the most important thing. You can't really grow if you can't learn, you know, how can you provide value? And if you can't provide value, then it's going to be tough for you to kind of climb out of the hole and get to where you want to get chasing your dreams. So I love, you know, what they believe in and they're doing incredible work in um, Ghana, Africa, Guatemala uh, and uh, Laos in Asia. And so you know, I've been working with them closely for since I was in Belgium, my f- third year out. Uh, and, you know, these past years, uh, past few years, I've been on the advisory board with them and I was able to go to Guatemala last summer. And it was just a life changing trip, man. Just seeing people with absolutely nothing who live on who live in huts just about with a few bricks and some sheet metal as a roof. And they're just happy as can be just grateful for us being able to help, you know, their children go to school and get an education. Um, we saw grandmas and mothers crying when we came, we, we were able to go to all these villages in the middle of nowhere where, you know, Pencil Promise has been able to build these schools and, and help these kids learn so they can go on take the next level of education and be able to give back to their family as they continue through learning and pursuing their dreams. So when I went to Guatemala last summer, it was, you know, just life changing, um, kind of really changed my perspective as far as like even being more grateful for everything I have and being even more passionate about working as hard as I can so that I can give back to others. So it's, it's been great, you know, working with them and seeing them grow in the organization and help bring education to kids all over the world. 
So I had a similar experience to yours. Um, my father being Nigerian, I went to Nigeria um, about uh, 20 years ago as a young high school kid. And yeah. to go over there and to see um, people not being able to turn the light switch on like how we have, like yeah. we can in America. To see people have to take, um, well, I had to take, you know, a bath with a bucket of water, you know, no shower. Yeah. You know, small yep. things like that we have in America or just at our disposal that we don't even, you know, we take for granted. And to, like how you said, you yeah. know, people in other countries, they don't even have, they can't, they don't have the ability to turn on a light switch. Yeah, no running water, no, no, no electricity, plumbing, nothing, man. There's a story about an old lady out there where she was like 70, in her 70s, I think. And she was speaking with one of the representatives who works in Guatemala with Pencil Promise. And she said, you know, there's two things that like, I'm just extremely happy about that I, that was bringing her to tears. And she's like, one of them is seeing, you know, my granddaughter have the chance to pursue her dreams. And the representative was like, wow, that's great. You know, what's, what's the second thing? And she said, the second thing is, this is the first time that I'm actually able to go outside and use a toilet. So like her whole entire life in 70 years, she had never went, to the bathroom on in a toilet in a, in a stall so it's like it's great because that's kind of another branch of their programming is the wash program which builds outhouses and helps with you know diseases that can be prevented by washing your hands so it was it was it's crazy to just hear that a lady who's seven years old had never used a bathroom in her life man that's a man yeah. now next, now next time i go to the restroom i'm gonna look at that toilet twice thank you yeah thank you right and again, there's just more stories like that that uh, I just like to hear because if you lived it, you know, I've lived it. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this or seeing this have probably either known somebody to, to went overseas to experience that in a third world country or yeah. have experiences yourself. And you, know, you never want to wish that on anybody. And you want to do as much as you can to help as many people in need as you possibly can. So, yeah, exactly. I know uh, when you the next time you go over there, you have to take some of them size fifteen shoes over there and give them away to some people. Man, we got a lot of us barefoot out there. They definitely need some shoes, but you know, my size ten will definitely be uh, <laughs> nice for some of them out there. It'll be nice for some of them out there. You, you see any hoopers out there? Any of them playing basketball out there? Actually, we were out hooping on. A, there was a little rim out there. Nobody was. There were some kids out there. We played with them for a little bit, which was super cool. But uh, the farther you get into the villages, man, these kids don't even have – they're playing with lemons out there, having fun with anything outside, rocks, you know, barefoot, having a blast. But they don't really have – the farther you go, the less they have as far as sports-wise. But it was cool hooping with a few kids in one area. Well, my brother from another mother, Kyle Fogg, we appreciate you coming on the No Referees podcast uh, all the way over there in China. Uh, we got the technology cracking. Um, everyone, please, again, go go follow him on Twitter at KFOG21 and on Instagram at KFOG18. He'll definitely give you some stories of his Sauna Wars saga. Uh, that, <laughs> That's the <deep. laughs> That he has going on. He definitely got to check that out. <laughs> so I just want to say, uh, my brother, I love you, man. Stay safe over there in China, uh, and we'll be looking for your safe return. Yeah, love you too, bro. I appreciate you having me on the podcast, man. I expect this to be the first of many appearances where I can say hello to the people and um, just support you in any way I can, man. I appreciate you, bro. Love what you're doing.
All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at No Referees Pod. Till the next episode, we out.